0: The Libs are trying to get the conservative Supreme Court justices killed. That's the only explanation I can come up with as to why a left-wing group just released the home addresses of Amy Barrett, John Roberts, Sam Alito, Brett Kavanaugh, Clarence Thomas, and Neil Gorsuch. The group, which calls itself Ruth Sentas, said, quote, Our 6-3 extremist Supreme Court routinely issues rulings that hurt women, racial minorities, LGBTQ plus and immigrant rights. We must rise up to force accountability using a diversity of tactics. Rise up, force accountability, diversity of tactics. You'll notice peaceful protesting is only one tactic, not hard to figure out what they mean by diversity of tactics. But this is just one radical group, right? Just some fringe leftist terrorists that have nothing to do with actual Democrats in power, right? No, actually. It turns out that the Democrats in power at the highest levels of power are refusing to condemn the threats and intimidation. These activists posted a map with the home addresses of the Supreme Court justices. Is that the kind of thing this president wants to help your side make their point?
1: Look, I think the president's view is that there's a lot of passion, a lot of fear, uh, a lot of uh, sadness from many, many people across this country about what they saw in that leaked document. Uh, we obviously want people's privacy to be respected. We want people to protest peacefully if they want to, to protest. That is certainly what the president's view would be.
0: Listen, sometimes people get passionate and they send violent mobs to scare or even attack the families of judges, okay? that it, It's passion, right? Even by the Lib standards, it is hard for me to believe what I am hearing from Jen Psaki. But then Jen Psaki goes even further. She makes it clear she was not stuttering. So he doesn't care if they're protesting outside the Supreme Court or outside someone's private residence? I
1: I don't have an official U.S. government position on where people protest. I want it — we want it, of course, to be peaceful. And certainly, the President would want people's uh, privacy to be respected. But I think we shouldn't lose the point here. The reason people are protesting is because women across the country are worried about their fundamental rights that have been law for 50 years, their rights to make choices about their own bodies and their own health care, are at risk. That's why people are protesting. They're unhappy, they're scared.
0: That's the official White House position. The official White House position on threats against the lives and families of the Supreme Court justices at their own homes is F around and find out. That's what she's saying. The crooks who cry crocodile tears over the horn hat guy dancing around the Capitol rotunda on January 6th, the greatest threat to our North. These people are now shrugging their shoulders when their own fellow partisans send angry mobs to intimidate judges' families. They want to scare them. They want to scare all of us. They want us all to give up and back down and hand over the country. The overruling of Roe versus Wade is the perfect moment for reflection. It's a time when the Libs and even many conservatives thought that we would be finished. And now they're starting to realize that we're only just getting started. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is the 1,000th episode of The Michael Knowles Show. Do we have the technology to bring in Knowles from the room next door? <laughs> oh my, God, my this is amazing. This is what will they think of next. You actually saw a Sausage Party, did you not? I saw it so that you don't have to do it. You wrote the famously insightful book, <laughs> Reasons to Vote for Democrats.
1: Now the president is being made fun of for tweeting that it's a great, Read.
0: And this is the first episode of our show. Can you believe they gave me a show? I think I'm the first guy in history to get his own show f- for not writing a book.
1: F- you, you, f- <laughs> ass, you sh- 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 Things didn't go
0: as planned inside UMKC's Royal Hall. <laughs> this was a warning shot to conservatives on colleges around the country. I came to Hollywood like a million other idiots looking for a break. Instead, one day I walked through a door and found myself transported to a lunatic fantasy kingdom. I have got to thank the listeners for engaging with this show, subscribing, leaving five-star reviews, and actually bringing this show all the way up to the number one podcast in the country. Welcome back to The Book Club. We're talking with the great Larry Elder, Douglas Murray, His Excellency Bishop Robert Barron, Abigail Schreier, which is why on Crucial Matters Conservatives have been left speechless. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. The confines of transmissibility now going to be loosening up and broadening up. I would like to see a dramatic
1: diminution of the personal interaction that we see. Whatever it takes to do that, that's what I'd like to see.
0: Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, everyone, for making it to 1,000 episodes. This is wild. I, I feel older. I feel wiser. I feel so grateful to all of you for, uh, for sticking around for 1,000 episodes. My favorite comment yesterday from Tanisha Rapp, who says, coming from someone who used to be a pro-choice woman, watching the coverage on the leak and seeing all these women just absolutely refuse to show any empathy for human life in their body, makes me so sick. Of course, I used to be one of these people, and it's baffling to me the level of craziness. Such a great point. When I was a teenager, I would have called myself pro-choice. I had no problem with abortion. I was from a very liberal place. I barely knew any conservatives. I thought the pro-life issue was all about just controlling women, had nothing to do with babies. I believed all the stuff that the, the libs believe on this, and I had my opinion changed in particular during a conversation with a, a bioethicist. But it, it just happened like that. I was having lunch, and this, this woman changed my views. And then I thought more deeply about the subject, and my views deepened rather quickly over time. And then once, once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. it was, so I know exactly the kind of phenomenon you're describing. It's why I, I try not to be too harsh on the people like my guest who was on the show yesterday, who are very pro-abortion, is I think. There but for the grace of God go I. I used to think that way. And then (laughs) once you realize that the baby's a baby, you look back and you say, how the hell can anyone not realize the baby's a baby? How can anybody defend this kind of stuff? You know, in celebration uh, and uh, gratitude for this 1,000th episode, for all of you guys, the viewers and the listeners who've made it possible, our show is having a giveaway competition. The prize is a luxurious gift basket full of Michael Knowles and Daily Wire merchandise. You all know about my book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. There it is. Wow, I missed that bell. Uh, have you left a five-star review yet? Have you left a, an extraordinarily positive, glowing, gushing, flattering comment? Well, now is your chance to enter to win this giveaway. Uh, you must first be a Daily Wire member. And second, you need to go leave a five-star review uh, paired with whatever beautiful, glowing, eloquent review you want. And uh, then I will read the reviews, choose the winner. So head on over, become a member if you aren't already. Find Speechless on Amazon. Leave a five-star review. Leave a a gushing personal endorsement. And uh, then head over to the Michael Knowles Show mailbag. Send the link to your review with the subject line MKS1000 so that I, and by I, I mean my producer, don't miss it. We'll be announcing the winner on Monday, the 1001st episode. So make sure to go leave that review right now. Thank you again for being part of the Michael Knowles Show. Submit that review in the mailbag. You know, we, we have been on a big winning streak. I'm not just saying here at the Michael Knoll Show. I'm saying at the Daily Wire. We sued the federal government to stop their stupid vaccine mandate. We announced $100 million to take on Woke Disney with DW Kids. Well, that makes this the perfect time to get together with our pals and celebrate, which is why we've got another backstage live coming up June 29th at the historic Ryman Auditorium. It's gonna be downtown Nashville, Tennessee. This is your chance to get in on all these smoke-filled fun and festivities. Join me, Ben, Matt, Drew, Daily Wire got King Jeremy Boring for our biggest live event of the year. Tickets go on sale Thursday, May 12th at 10 a.m. Central for Daily Wire. All Access members only 12 hours later, they'll go on sale for the general public. If you're not an All Access member, do not miss out. Head to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Become an All Access member today. That's uh, Daily Wire. It's going to be the backstage live the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, June 29th. See you there. Do we have anything else to sell, guys? Do we have any more commercials we can read? Or can Okay, I guess we can get We can get to the show now for number one. We're going to be on episode 102,000 by the time that we get to the actual show today. Do you know what the libs are doing to these justices is extremely frustrating? It's dispiriting. It's sad. It's dangerous. But the silver lining is it proves something that we have been saying on this show for years. Everything the libs accuse us of doing, they do 100 times over everything. This if this was clear with the Russia hoax. The left spent 100 years shilling for Russia in the United States. And then during the 2016 presidential election, they said that the Republicans are shilling for Russia. The Libs spent, what, 50, 100 years in the United States undermining and upending norms and traditions and liberties and rights. And then what do they say? They say, you Republicans, you're trying to upend our culture and our rights and everything. And then the Libs said in 2020, or January 6th, 2021, the, the conservatives are posing a violent threat to America to upend our constitution. Now, what are they doing? They're sending violent mobs to the homes of Supreme Court justices where their children sleep. And the White House shrugs its shoulders and say, well, yeah, we don't have a position on where people protest. Guess they probably shouldn't have tried to overrule Roe versus Wade, huh? Sorry, Amy Barrett's children. Yeah, I guess you're going to have to deal with some violent mobs. F around and find out. That's what they're saying. And Joe Biden has the goal, the audacity to say that conservatives today, present day conservatives, are the most extreme political organization in history.
1: Griswold was thought to be a bad decision by Bork and my guess is the guys on the Supreme Court now. What happens if you have a state change the law saying that that, that children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? Is that, is that legit under the way that the decision is written? What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme
0: political ex- organization that's existed in American history, in recent American history. The most extreme political organization, and he says it with a straight face, because Joe Biden is a liar and he lies the same way that he breathes. And so he's probably not even aware of what he's saying. But the word extreme is a particular word. I'm not even, well, I am saying that the stuff the conservatives are doing generally is good and the stuff the libs are doing generally is bad. And I'm sure Joe Biden also thinks that the stuff conservatives are doing is bad and the stuff liberals are doing is good. But he used a different word. He said extreme. And on this point of extreme, there can be no debate. The libs are the extreme ones. And they, they brag about that. Or they usually do, unless they're in an election year and they realize that's going to hurt them. But there's no question. It's not as though, well, you have your opinion and I have my opinion. There actually is an objective answer to this. The libs are the extreme ones. On every single issue, it is the libs who are pushing a view that is extreme, that is to say radical, that is to say fringe, that is to say outside of the mainstream of American thought on marriage. There was a definition of marriage for all of human history until, what, seven or eight years ago? And then most conservatives, or at least many conservatives, still hold that opinion of marriage The liberals now hold a definition of marriage that is completely different, that was completely upended by the Supreme Court. Whatever you think of the definition of marriage or what the definition of marriage should be, it is undeniable that the Libs position is the extreme one. That's the one that's out of sync with all of history and every civilization and the mainstream thought. The conservatives is not on the issue of life that we're talking about now. The conservative view is we really shouldn't have all this abortion. By the way, the mainstream conservative view isn't even that we need to overnight get rid of all abortion everywhere throughout the country. I might prefer that myself, but that's not the mainstream view is send it back to the states, right? That's what, that's what you see in Justice Alito's leaked opinion. The the left-wing view is abortion on demand without apology until the moment of birth. And in some cases, actually after birth, there was a bill that was floated in California to permit abortion after birth. I'm not joking. In the perinatal period, the former governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, said that after birth, if a mother didn't want her baby, in certain cases, they would make the baby comfortable and decide if they want to kill it or not. Which is the radical? Again, regardless of your view on life or abortion or anything like that, which is the extreme view? It's- It's not difficult to discern. The Libs view is the extreme one. On immigration, the conservative view is, hey, maybe we should reduce all of this immigration just a little tiny bit, at least illegal immigration. That's the view that's held by the vast majority of Americans. The Democrat view is open up the border, let in 3 million people a year, 1 million legal, 2 million illegal at least. It's probably going to be more than that. No human being is illegal. Let's take down the border wall. Let's let even more people in on every single issue, it is the Democrats who have the extreme view. You might even like that extreme view. I don't, and you probably don't either. But even if you do, there is no question the Democrats right now are the most extreme political organization in the country. It's the exact opposite of what Joe Biden said. It's almost by definition, We, we conservatives generally are happier with the way things are in tradition, in custom, in the rule of law. It is the radicals who want to come in. And subvert that kind of thing. We are not the aggressors in the culture war. Now the culture war is ratcheting up. People are getting really, really aggressive, and they're they're going to try to use your data against you. Okay, so you got to protect it with ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com/slash Knowles if you are using the internet without ExpressVPN. That is like leaving your laptop exposed at the coffee shop table while you're doing your taxes and you decide to run to the bathroom. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Most of the time, you're probably fine. But what if one day you come on out and your stuff is gone and your information's gone and your physical stuff is gone? That would be crazy. Every time you connect to an unencrypted network, cafes, hotels, and airports, any hacker on the same network can gain access to your personal data. That's passwords, that's financial details, that's everything. It does not take much technical knowledge to hack someone. Just some cheap hardware is needed. A a smart 12-year-old could do it. Your data are valuable. Hackers can make up to $1,000 per person. Just selling personal info on the dark web it's super easy to use. Just fire up that app, click one button to get protected. It works on all devices, phones, laptops, tablets, and more. I don't go on my devices without ExpressVPN. I love it. I rely on it on my phone, on my computer. Secure your online data today by going to expressvpn.com/noles. e x p r e slash v p n.com/noles. Get an extra 3 months for free. expressvpn.com/noles. We are not the aggressors in the culture war. I have had the distinction over the past 2 days of being condemned, not just by one, but by two American universities. Isn't that amazing? One of those universities is BU. I spoke at BU a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I I gave a talk and uh, the, the BU administration really tried to shut this thing down. So I had a sold out crowd and then there were people who had shown up for a a standby line because there was some talk that there might be a kind of a walkout. Then for whatever reason, it was the police chief or the deputy police chief. There was there was one guy, generally the people we worked with at this event were very nice and very accommodating. But there was this one dude, I think it was the deputy chief, who just wouldn't let people in, wouldn't let half the audience in, wouldn't let our photographer in. We couldn't even get photographs of the event, made the standby line disperse and, and sabotaged the event. And then at one point, a bunch of the libs in there stood up and yelled and screamed, and they sort of walked out too. And then they wouldn't let anyone come back in. So it was, it was a bit of sabotage, but we at least got the, the speech out. And now the, the BU student government has just issued a formal <laughs> condemnation of me. Said, we're disappointed and frustrated by the Boston University administration's allowance of a speaker who is openly transphobic and actively seeks to erode and endanger the LGBTQ community. Students expressed their concerns about safety, and the BU administration continued to be silent and allowed for the event to occur. We fully believe in freedom of speech and and expression. However, (laughs) there you go, there's that however. However, not for Michael. However, there is a line between free speech and hate speech that must be drawn. Okay, obviously written by not very well-educated undergraduates they accuse me of being transphobic. A phobia is an irrational fear of something. I don't have any fear of people who have strange sexual confusion. I certainly don't have any irrational fear of that. I'm simply making the observation that men are not women and boys are not girls and that it is wrong for a society to pretend otherwise because it's a lie and it's a delusion and it doesn't help anybody, not the people who are confused, not the rest of society that has to pretend and be made to lie. We just shouldn't tolerate that because it's just not true. Regardless of what you think about the transgender issue, my view is not the extreme one. My view is not the, the radical one. My view that men can't secretly be women is the view held by statistically all human beings everywhere throughout the entire history of the world until five seconds ago. The view that men secretly can be women and are women and we should treat them as such, that is the extreme view, that is the radical view, that is the aggressive view in the culture war. Now, I expect this kind of thing from Boston University. BU is a liberal school in a liberal town, in a liberal state. Okay, I'm I'm not terribly surprised, but it gets even crazier because we just found out a couple of days ago that another university had invited me to speak and the school itself, the school administration preemptively shut it down. And the school was not some radical secularist school. It's not supposed to be. It was a Catholic school. And they took issue with me for holding a, the Catholic view of sex and, and gender and, the, and human nature. This school is the uh, University of St. Thomas in Minnesota And uh, the school said, uh, this was the university and the student government. So the university leaders and the student government said that they would not permit the student group to bring me to campus because I had made comments on transgender issues that the university had deemed were in violation of the, quote, commitment to dignity and diversity. And what is my comment, by the way? They're trying to insinuate that I'm I'm really insulting or mean or cruel to people or that I'm calling for violence against people. I haven't done anything of the sort, of course. That's why they never cite any examples here. They just use this vague term that I'm, I'm undermining their dignity and I'm saying phobic sort of things. What is my view? What is the view that is contrary to the values of the University of St. Thomas. My view is that men and women are different and complementary. My view is the Catholic view. Where did I get my view? The catechism of the Catholic church would be one source. If the University of St. Thomas is so shocked and offended by what I have to say, can you even imagine what'll happen when they read St. Thomas? Oh boy, fellas, you're really in for something when you read St. Thomas Aquinas at the University of St. Thomas because his views, gosh, they're even more blunt and direct and eloquent than mine are, aren't they? It's, it's always bad when conservatives are not allowed to say conservative things on campus. That's bad and sad and shows you how far the campuses have fallen. But it is especially absurd when a Catholic is not allowed to say Catholic things at a Catholic university. <laughs> but it's obviously not a Catholic university. They're admitting that now. They are saying, no, we, there are, between the two religions that we've got to pick, Catholicism, and secular liberalism, we're going to choose secular liberalism. A man, a man cannot serve two masters. University of Saint Thomas. I think they're they're circulating a petition now to bring me to speak. I'm happy to speak. I'd like to go. You know, since the student group invited me, that would be very nice. But uh, m- much more importantly than that, whether I speak or not, I don't I don't really care. Ultimately, I speak on lots of college campuses. What is very important here is we have to expose the administration of the University of Saint Thomas. This is scandalous. The bishops should get involved because this is a Catholic university. The parents who are writing their tuition checks should get involved. This is a true scandal. If if a Catholic university isn't going to teach basic facts about the difference between men and women, then what are they teaching? They're teaching nothing but extreme radical leftism. It's dangerous for me to go to a school and say boys and girls are different. That's apparently dangerous. But when the libs are calling for the assassination of conservative Supreme Court justices, that's fine. I'm not exaggerating that, by the way. The the liberal group that sent the the mobs to the justices' homes, they did not explicitly call for physical violence. They heavily insinuated it by saying we want a diversity of tactics. Peaceful protesting is fine, but we want a diversity of tactics, okay? We want you to go to their homes where their families live. They they were heavily insinuating it. Some blue check libs came right out and said it. There's this one guy. Simon Gwynn, you can tell he's a good person because he has the Ukraine flag in his Twitter name. He's calling to assassinate American Supreme Court justices, but he's got the Ukraine flag. So he's a good, he probably wore the mask too. So he's a good guy. Simon Gwynn, blue check mark. he says, interesting real life trolley problem in America right now. If you had the chance to kill Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito, the two oldest right-wing Supreme Court justices, would you, uh, should you do it while Biden can get his nominees to replace them? Confirmed. He then goes on and and he says it's interesting as an abstract question, but becomes a real conundrum if, say, you're terminally ill and have little to lose yourself, but know that it could save many women's lives in the future. So he's not even saying, "Gosh, what should we go out and just kill the judges?" I don't know. I'm just asking questions. He goes even further than that. He says, "You know, especially if you don't have that much to lose, and these judges—they're killing women somehow that I'm not exactly explaining how. Uh, should you?" He's saying it. Should you? Do the thing that I'm suggesting is a good thing and kill Supreme Court judges, says the good man with the nice flag and the blue check mark. This is really, really destabilizing for a country. The economy is already wacky, which is why when you want to make a, a strong investment to diversify your portfolio, maybe you got to check out Masterworks. Go to masterworks.io slash mk. Did you know that there is a lucrative trillion dollar asset class? I'm not talking about crypto. I'm not talking about NFTs. This particular asset class has been around for over 275 years. Considering that it outpaced the S&P 500 throughout the most recent 25 years, you could say it's a time-tested performer. Since it outpaced during periods of 3% inflation or higher, you might say it has helped defend the wealth of those who knew about it and were able to invest in it. While everyday investors are usually out of the loop on this, I'm giving you the inside scoop and priority access to this asset class. But it's just too long to reveal in a 60-second ad read, so head on over to masterworks.io slash mk. That's masterworks.io slash mk. Before deciding to invest, carefully review important disclosures at masterworks.io slash cd. This guy, Simon Gwynn, this blue check mark on Twitter, liberal blue check, Suggests that the Libs should go and assassinate Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas in his thought experiment. He's since deleted the tweet, which was allowed to stay up, by the way. The Twitter didn't take it down. But he's since deleted the tweet and says, oh, okay, you know, look, I get it. I'm catching a lot of heat for this. But, but that was his suggestion. And I actually think it's a good thought experiment because it exposes the extremism of the libs, but it shows you the whole issue of abortion. The, the thought experiment that this blue check poses is, should we commit an action that is intrinsically immoral to achieve an end that we think is good? Even though it's not really good, but we think it's good. That's a perfect analog for abortion. Abortion poses this question to people. Should we commit an action that we know is immoral, namely killing a baby, to achieve an end that we think is good, namely allowing women to go Work at the widget factory more easily and not have to deal with children and go, I don't know, sleep around in New York City or something. An end that is not actually good, but we are told it is good because feminists say it's very liberating for women to be able to kill their children and not have any attachments to family and to be totally autonomous individuals that just go on lots of Tinder dates every night and have fleeting casual sexual relationships until they're too old and the men aren't interested in them anymore. And then they just continue to work for whatever man in a position of middle management is that uh, they have been convinced is a flourishing life not to put too fine a point on it but that is that is the agenda here that's the really bleak outlook and yet the the women are told no having a family that's that's oppressive that's terrible that's going to really harm you and and make you weak but going to work for some other man in the city, some other man who doesn't care about you and considers you expendable and going and sleeping, not with a husband who loves you, but with men who just treat you for their own pleasure and then cast you aside. That is somehow empowering, completely backwards. So it's the, the good that we are told is going to be achieved in the end by killing the Supreme Court justice or killing the baby, the good is not really a good. It's t- That's totally dubious. But the question then even if even if there would, were a good outcome that might come from it, it still doesn't justify. It doesn't justify committing the immoral action of killing the judges, doesn't justify killing the baby. I was asked at Yale a few weeks ago with Senator Cruz, some guy came up to, to play a prank and get some jokes from his friends. And he said, would you perform a certain sex act on a man if it would solve world hunger? And this was supposed to be a big gotcha question because if you answer yes, then ha ha ha, you say you'll perform a sex act on a man. And if you answer no, you're heartless. You wouldn't solve world hunger. But it's actually not a, it's only a confusing question if you view ethics through the lens of, of consequentialism. If you think that the ends justify the means, if you view the world through this kind of left-wing utilitarian lens that makes all sorts of calculations and doesn't think that any actions are intrinsically morally good or bad. But I'm a conservative baby. I'm not one of these uh, sophisters, economists, and calculators. I'm not one of these rationalist idiots who who thinks the world operates that way. I think that actions are good and bad in and of themselves, and that's the only thing that matters. No, don't do the weird sex thing with the dude. No, don't kill Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas. No, don't kill the baby either. Speaking of death, shocking news. Turns out one of the COVID vaccines isn't all that safe. I know. (laughs) Stop the presses. I know this is shocking. This is the sort of thing I would have been censored for saying and was censored for saying a couple of years ago. Uh, but, but certainly within the, when did the vaccines come out? It came out, oh, oh, that's right. The vaccines came out right around the time of the presidential election, coincidentally. Uh, so whenever that happened, we said very early on, you know, I think there might be some questions with these vaccines. We were censored for suggesting any such thing. Well, now here's CNN. FDA puts strict limits on Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine. And why? Because people have gotten blood clots. I'm not saying everyone who takes the vaccine gets a blood clot. I'm not saying even a lot of people who take the vaccine get get a blood clot. But enough people have gotten blood clots that the FDA is now severely limiting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Of the people who got the blood clots, TTS, 15% of them died. Pretty high number. There's another side to this too, which is that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was pretty much the nearest to a normal vaccine that had been used. It wasn't quite as radical as the mRNA vaccines like Pfizer and Moderna. So there there is a question here too. Is the government just trying to force more people to get those particular vaccines? I don't know. Either way, 100% safe, 100% effective seems to be a little bit of a dubious claim, which some of us knew from the very beginning. Bill Gates though. Bill Gates, who for whatever reason, this computer nerd billionaire has become the face of vaccines. It's Fauci, Walensky, and Bill Gates for some reason. Isn't that weird? I think that's a little weird. Bill Gates speaking at the 92nd Street Y, he's just had an epiphany two years in that, you know, actually it turns out COVID acts a little bit differently that we in the ruling class said it did. It wasn't until early February when I was in a meeting that experts at the foundation said, there's no way, you know. This, there's been too much uh, travel without diagnosis uh, for us to contain this. And then at that point, we didn't really understand the fatality rate, you know, we didn't understand that it's a fairly low fatality rate and that it's a disease mainly of the elderly, kind of like flu is, although a bit different than that. So that was a pretty scary period uh, where the world didn't go on alert, including the United States, nearly as fast as it needed to. We were really surprised. We were really shocked. We just didn't understand that COVID didn't pose as big of a threat as we said it was. And it mostly affected the elderly. And we, we understood that. That's so funny. I'm not a billionaire. I'm not the face of the public health response to COVID-19. I'm and yet I knew that. I knew that pretty much from the very beginning, that COVID was not as dangerous as they were all saying it was, and that it affected mostly very elderly people. I you knew that. Didn't you knew that? I think you probably knew that. You suspected that. Most people I knew who were not liberal, most conservatives I knew, not all of them, but most conservatives I knew, understood that Two years ago. We got the data that came out of Italy almost right away. We had the data in the United States. We we knew we all and you know, I think Bill Gates knew it too. And I think Fauci knew it, and I think Walensky probably knew it. I don't think it's just incompetence. I think that either they're the dumbest people on the face of the earth, which is pretty surprising, or they knew it and they just decided to drag this whole thing out to take more power and to take more money. The two years of the COVID lockdowns, the public health response, represented the largest shift in wealth from the lower classes to the upper classes in the history of the world. The two years of the COVID response represented a major shift in power from the people and from the states to the federal government, to technocrats, and to international organizations. Oops, and oops, we got it wrong, guys. Wow, who could have seen it? Who could have seen it, Buster? I don't know. All of us could have. And now you have the audacity to urinate on our leg and tell us that it is raining. Speaking of water, very important to go check out One More Wave. Go to 1mwave.com slash dailywire. I am so excited to talk about this company that is really making a difference for our nation's veterans. That is One More Wave. One More Wave uses surf therapy to help veterans stay active, engaged, and connected. The founder of One More Wave, Alex West, is a retired Navy SEAL who noticed that for many veterans, especially those with adaptive needs, standard off-the-shelf surfboards and equipment were off the table. So what did he do? He created a team of surfboard artists and surf instructors to work with grant recipients to design the custom equipment for their experience, level, and physical needs. From there, One More Wave connects veterans to their global network of surfing volunteers who empower them to heal through surf therapy from coast to coast. Fresh salt air, sunshine, and the exhilaration of flying down the face of a wave Keep more and more veterans coming back for more. Since 2015, One More Wave has empowered over 500 veterans to find healing and community through surf therapy by providing custom surfing equipment and community. They need your ongoing support. Help fund 10 new surf therapy grants by going to 1mwave.com/dailywire. It's the number one letter M wave.com slash Daily Wire. Sign up to become a monthly sustaining donor. The average veteran grant costs 2,500 bucks. Every tax deductible donation counts. Help us to continue to support those brave men and women who've given so much for this nation. 1mwave.com slash Daily Wire. Become a, a sustaining member. One more wave is 501c3. Your donation is tax deductible. 1mwave.com for more information. We're so excited, guys. We're about to come up to my favorite time of the week, the mailbag when I get to hear from all of you. But we've hit episode 1,000. The, the libs think that we're reaching the end. They think, all oh, Roe versus Wade is, we're, we're just, we're reaching the end of the conservative movement. No, we're only getting started, both in politics and on this show. Uh, we got a lot more fun content coming up, stuff that I, I can't tell you all about it uh, just yet, but some changes to the show, some, some new content coming out for the next 1,000 episodes. One piece of that, I had the uh, opportunity to sit down recently with the smartest man in the world, Before we get into metaphysics, the existence of God, free will, politics, culture, I know people are going to be asking, why is the smartest man in the world living on a farm in the middle of Missouri? I would read these books. I was living in a covered wagon. They call it a sheep wagon. Reading Bertrand Russell and Albert Einstein. Reading Bertrand Russell and Albert Einstein. And it occurred to me, these two things really need to be put together. This CTMU is the cognitive theoretic model of the universe. This is your theory of everything.
1: When you take away the points, those zero dimensional points, now all of that disappears.
0: They look at everything in a Cartesian theater. Do we have free will? And a real manifold is just a space consisting of points in which each point has a locally Euclidean neighborhood. Can you put that into more basic terms what was it you you need to understand about this traditionally it's understood that satan and lucifer are the same is the devil real oh yes this is uh, pretty much inescapable we got a whole lot more coming up folks we've got much more live interaction. We've got much more in-depth conversation with people you probably haven't heard from. We've got in-depth docu-series. we got all of it, okay? And starting today in honor of my 1,000th episode, my entire collection in the Daily Wire shop will be 25% off for the weekend with code Knowles 1000 Get your hands on the coveted Nolstradamus line, okay? That's my favorite one that's out there. Uh, we've got the Fauci, Fauci, uh merchandise. We've got books. we got books with words. We got books without words. We even have a 1,000th episode commemorative pin featuring your favorite for the Daily Wire host. I, Nos- Nostradamus, uh, will uh, be featured in there. So make sure you head on over to dailywire.com shop. Today, we'll be right back with the mailbag. Welcome back to my favorite time of the week when I get to hear from you in the mailbag, which is sponsored by Pure Talk. Get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. Go to puretalk.com. Shop for the plan that's right for you today. First question up from Robert. Dear Mr. Knowles, so I'm pretty sure I know what your response will be, but I'll ask my question anyways. I'm dating a wonderful Catholic girl, and I'm Catholic myself. I'm 33, and she's 21. All right. I'm not, you know, I was, I was going to say, hey, nice, buddy. Uh, but, you know, listen, I, I, my grandparents were uh, 12 years apart. I mean, that didn't used to be so unusual as it is now. Uh, we haven't been dating very long, six months, but I do care a lot about her. We are intimate with each other. And unfortunately, the contraceptive broke and we are waiting to see if we're pregnant or not. I know abortion's wrong, so I don't want to put that on her or on my soul. Uh, but I know we aren't ready and it terrifies me a bit. Do you have any advice or guidance to help me through this. Also, I do plan on speaking with a priest in the near future, but I would love to have some advice or guidance from you, sincerely a terrified possibly new father. Okay. First thing, take a breath. Pause. This is like what you would say to a medical doctor first, do no harm. I know this could be very scary. You you could be freaking out. I'm cer- certain you are freaking out. Don't do anything rash or crazy or anything that you're going to regret, which you understand. First thing, Do not abort the baby. If there is a baby, you don't even know if if your girlfriend is pregnant yet. It's actually harder to get pregnant than a lot of people think that it is. I know in health class now, they they teach you that if you even look at a girl the wrong way, she's going to get pregnant. That's actually not really how it works generally. Uh, But if she is pregnant, do not abort the baby. If you want to raise the baby, if you like this girl, if you think that you get along well together and you could have a long-term future together, then just get married. Get married quickly. It's okay. John Lennon, I think, once made the wry comment that most babies in history have been born out of a whiskey bottle, uh, which is a little, little cynical. But uh, but there's probably some truth to that. And uh, there have been shotgun marriages that have turned out really great. Okay, so. If you like the girl and the girl likes you and you think this could be a serious thing and you were thinking that while you were dating her, huh, we might really end up together. And now you're in the situation where you might have a baby. Well, look, that might be an opportunity to get married. And you don't need to bury your head in shame about it. You, don't need, you can just get married. You could have a good life. If you say, no, we're, we don't want, we really don't want to get married or we really don't want to raise this baby, then give the baby up for adoption. You can do that. Again, you don't need to bury your head in shame about that. Adoption can be a very beautiful thing. There's an estimated 36 couples in the United States for every single baby put up for adoption. So you will find a loving home for this baby if you want to do that. Okay. Now, putting those questions aside for a second, what should you do into the future? Uh, You should stop doing that thing that, that only married people are supposed to do because, well, I guess you've just proved it, right? Because These sorts of things can happen, and sex is for a purpose. And yep, I know it's a fallen world, and we live in a time of casual sex. And so I'm I'm not really passing judgments here on you, but I am passing a judgment on the action, and you recognize that now too. So you and your girlfriend should cut that out. And then, you know, get married, and, uh, you know, then go to town. Have a good time. Uh, And you say you want to go talk to a priest about this? Yes, you should go to a priest, confess the sin, perhaps get some advice. Probably the priest is uh, more thoughtful about this than I am. But there it is. That's, I'm giving you a very technical answer because I know that you are in a, a really technical moment where you're going to have to make certain decisions, and you're going to have a lot of cultural pressure to uh, push you in the wrong direction. Do not do that. First, first things first. Do no harm, and then potentially look at this as a good opportunity. From Michael. Hey, Michael, longtime listener, love the show. Question regarding another recent mailbag question you said we should just move on and understand that the libs might have been going through something uh, and not let their insane COVID shtick get to us. My question is, what are your thoughts on the people that still buy into the insanity, even as we are well into year three? Thanks for the amazing show. Great question. I was asked this a week or two ago. They said, look, I, I'm just so angry at some of my friends and relatives who wouldn't see me during COVID, who were so crazy about it. It's hard for me to move on. And my answer was, you just move on. It's okay. Look, they were neurotic. They, they lost their minds. Uh, you did not. But look, kiss it up to God. Suffer silently. Move on. If you don't want to lose your friends and family, it's okay. Be a, have a little grace. Uh, what if your friends and family are still sticking with the COVID mania? Well, you should laugh about it. Not in a mocking way, but as a sort of hey guys, you know, come on. It's over. All right. It's you're going to be okay. No, but what if I show up to the party and I have and then someone sneezes. It's going to be there's germs, okay? There're going to be germs forever and you're, you know what? You're going to get sick again at some point and that's okay. That's the way the world goes. No, well I don't want to go. Well, you don't need to come to my party. You don't need to come get dinner tonight. You don't need to come over to the house, but you're invited. We're all going to move on with our lives. And if you want to live again too. You're more than welcome, but if you don't want to, I can't make you. That would be my attitude. Warm, loving, but don't, you can't play into this. You really shouldn't have played into this from the beginning, but certainly not now. From Ricky. Hey, Michael. With the current uh, cultural climate being so supportive of child sacrifice and now even major companies supporting these same uh, disordered ideals, such as Amazon, I'm increasingly concerned about how I, as a consumer, support these fundamentally immoral ideals through my purchases. Obviously, I can stop shopping through Amazon and cancel Prime membership, etc., which our family firmly intends to do. But it's increasingly hard to know where other companies stand on this issue too, or whether they are supporting organizations like Planned Parenthood. How do you go about vetting where you shop and learning about their political beliefs so as not to inadvertently support abortion? Well, you, you are supporting abortion. By living in the United States, you're supporting abortion. Your tax dollars are going to Planned Parenthood. And Planned Parenthood is butchering babies, and it's an abortion mill. And we have laws on the books that pretend that your dollars are not going to abortions themselves, but money is fungible. And so if you're funding abortionist organizations, you are funding abortion, okay? And you're doing it not just through your tax dollars, but you're doing it through, I don't know, your pension plans you're doing it through your employment maybe your employer is is donating some money or matching some funds or giving to some woke corporation you're doing it when you go and shop at a store and if that if that store is going to offer some kind of matching funds or some kind of insurance program they're going to buy into an insurance program that is covering abortions and so you are going to have some indirect contact with evil and some indirect involvement with evil—it's—it's it's almost unavoidable. I guess not totally unavoidable, but it's—it's it's practically almost un- unavoidable. Uh, and and so there is a distinction to be made with indirect, uh, indirect association with evil and and direct evil actions. Uh, where does Amazon fall on that list? I don't know. I don't know exactly. They said in a in a company meeting that they would pay for their employees to go travel out of state to get an abortion. That seems to be like a heightening of their of their contact with abortion and their involvement with it. But lots of companies do lots of similar things. I, I remember some years ago, Starbucks said that as part of one of their charity drives, they would match to a certain amount of money uh, a donation that the employees made to their favorite charity. And one of the charities was Planned Parenthood. Uh, Does that mean we can't get coffee there anymore? Well, I don't know. I think if you apply that kind of a threshold, then you can't really participate at all in the economy whatsoever. Um, So, uh, you know, this is going to be an unsatisfying answer to you, but I think it's a simple answer. It does help to buy local. It does help to buy from people that you know that is increasingly difficult in an economy. So I, uh, in an economy that's now mostly digital and national and even international. So, my answer is do the best you can, but you can't be overly scrupulous about this because, uh, because there is so much evil, particularly on this issue of abortion, just enmeshed into the fabric of society. And that's why we need political action to disentangle that. That's why your, your commercial action is not going to be enough. You need more political action. From Anonymous, dear Mr. Knowles, what can a nobody like me who will never have more than a handful of followers on social media do to help the conservative cause? Do I just like stuff? Do I just post and retweet? Keep in mind, I don't anticipate ever having any followers, really. What practical thing can a guy like me do to help? Even if I'm largely irrelevant, I understand that large movements can be made up of people of small stature. Yes, I mean, every political movement that's ever mattered has been propelled by people whose names you don't know. Right, so that that's obviously the case. In terms of social media, even if you don't have a lot of followers, it actually does help to post things. Because the more shares that something gets on social media platforms, generally, the more momentum it can get. It can pop up higher in the algorithm. So that actually can be helpful. I'm not saying don't like stuff, don't post stuff, don't share stuff. It, that, that is helpful. Um, but there's a world beyond social media, too. What you could do that would probably be even more effective, much more effective than posting or liking something in the virtual world is getting out into the physical world and going to a meeting of your local Republican committee or your local conservative group or going out and helping a campaign or going out if, if you're more commercially oriented and starting a business to offer an alternative to some of the woke companies out there. Th- that real action in the real world could have a whole lot more effect. Frankly, even if you just talk to people in your town. Just talk to people at a coffee shop, at a restaurant, your friends, your family, your extended family, and you speak to them in in real life. That could have a a much more significant effect than just posting something on social media. When my mind has really been changed on issues, and it's been changed on really important issues. It was changed on abortion. It was changed on the existence of God. It was changed on all sorts of things. Generally speaking, it was changed because of face-to-face interactions and then i would read some stuff and i would see some videos and i would watch interviews and i would read books and but the face to face stuff the personal connection can can make a huge difference from daniel hey michael you say he who pays the piper calls the tune i say he who pays has the says well <laughs> well your quote sounds much more eloquent i've been giving it some thought on how it applies to men losing the ability to be the man of his own house it is much more common today that both parents are working So if both are paying, who's doing the saying? Do you believe the push for women to go to work has undermined a husband's ability to be the head of the household? Certainly it has. I don't think it necessarily does because even this whole idea of women working uh, really is a bit of revisionist history. Women have always worked. Women have always worked as hard or harder uh, than men have. But the work was not always the identical work. When I think about the stuff that sweet little Elisa does, even forget about any of her professional activities or professional outside of the home, just the stuff she does in the home, in the family, with regard to our community, with regard to helping me. She's the only person I trust to to help write my show. She is the only person I really trust to give me jokes and singers. When I think of all that, she works more than I do, at least as much as I do. She works at least as much as I do. But it's different work. And the work that I do, she would hate doing and and wouldn't want to do it at all. And the work that she does, I would just not be good at whatsoever and probably not enjoy a whole lot of it. So what second wave feminism in particular did was say, women, if you want to have any value at all, you need to go work at the widget factory. That's what that guest I had on yesterday, Bronte Remzik said. She said, you're devaluing women by suggesting that they be mothers and homemakers. I think I'm valuing them, actually. I think I'm saying that Women doing uh, women have value even when they're not doing things traditionally associated with men. Uh, so I'm a big defender of sex roles, you know, the spousal roles, husbands doing husband things and wives doing wife things, and that that doesn't need to be oppressive and patriarchal or what you know whatever terms they throw at you. It means that there's a role for men and there's a role for women, and, and people are happier when they, when they do those things. And you can support one another, and you can both work, and you can have respect. And you, I'm not even saying that women can't work outside of the home. But if, if there is a, a recognition that uh, men and women are different and complement one another, you're going to get along much better. Uh, John Wayne made the point that America is actually a matriarchy, always has been, that women wield so much more power than men do. But maybe men have more nominal power, and maybe men make the final decision on something in the home or with regard to the family. But women, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Women generally run most of the home economy, and women generally run most of the lives of the men. And so, so I, I, th- I just think that is, uh, people were happier, society functioned a lot better when we recognized that plain fact of the world. On that very politically incorrect point, I'm Michael Knowles. This is the 1,000th episode. Thank you so much for uh, coming with us this far. Look forward to seeing you for the 2,000th episode. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, Hey, everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Klavan Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing,
1: the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Klavan Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Klavan Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Klavan.